Imagine living in the 1920s. Everywhere you look, you see the rich getting richer, but you are living hand to mouth. You wonder where your next meal is going to come from. Most of the other people in your town are like this too. Your work is grueling, it pays poorly. Your children, rather than getting an education, are working alongside you, hoping to scratch out a few extra pennies. Every day is about survival. However, you do have an access to a communal radio, perhaps at the local watering hole. And one night you're listening when a news bulletin breaks in. Good news, everyone, the broadcaster says. God has returned to earth. The poor will no longer live in poverty. Those who oppress us will receive the justice they so richly deserve. The peasant will have a place in God's realm where they never need suffer hunger, sickness, or war, or foreign oppression ever again. Yes, indeed, God is on the march coming to liberate us, and his name is Joseph Stalin. That would not be good news, would it? For the starving Soviet peasant in the 1920s, it might have seemed so at first. But the nightmares of failed agricultural projects, forced labor, famine, genocide, and a war beyond horrors would shatter any utopian dream. The point of this little illustration is to show that human history is littered with such dreams. Such dreams of, of utopia, such dreams that proclaim false messiahs and fake news. Rome itself, the dominant power at the time of Jesus, was extraordinarily skilled in putting out fake news, propaganda. Whenever a battle was won, or an uprising repressed, or an emperor enthroned, Rome would say that was good news. In fact, when the temple was destroyed in 70 AD, an act that devastated Jews and Christians alike, Rome called that Good news! Good news, that is, for the powerful in Rome. Good news for those who have armies. Good news for those who define themselves by whom they have power over. And some things over 2,000 years don't change a whole lot. Fake news is everywhere, we know that. Propaganda is everywhere pointing us to a movement, a person, or an ideology where we are promised salvation, where we are promised to be seen and heard unlike anywhere else, where the bad people will be put in their place and the good people will be recognized and honored. The good people, by the way, are usually us in these scenarios. This isn't an attack against media, but to point out the siloing and isolation that we've all succumbed to. We have our preferred silos of information, which shape our worldviews in profound ways, ways that we probably can't even point to. As one pastor I know spoke of cable news, I have them for one hour a week, they have them for 20. But Mark's gospel has a very different kind of good news. 
Mark begins with a bang, throws down the gauntlet right away. The beginning of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, the Messiah, God's chosen one, the Son of God. Right away, there's a challenge here. Right away, there's a challenge to all other proclamations of good news. The only one in whom there is truly good news is in this Jewish man from Nazareth, Jesus. The only one in whom there's truly good news is in Jesus. Mark gives us no backstory to this Jesus. Did you notice? There's no birth narrative here. There's no manger. There's no flight to Egypt. There are no magi. There are no shepherds. Jesus just appears, or rather will appear, as the one unknown. The word who comes under cover of darkness. God's full presence on earth without fanfare or propaganda. The only one who heralds his presence. His arrival is a voice, a lone voice, crying in the wilderness. And I don't know if you've ever been to the Judean wilderness, but it is an inhospitable place. If we could get the slide up. There we go. Surrounding Bethany beyond the Jordan, the most likely place where Jesus was baptized is a desert. And I took this picture in 2009 at Bethany beyond the Jordan. And you can see a few trees along the riverbank. And there's some scrub vegetation here and there, but it is mostly sand and rocks out there. There's not much. That is likely the place where John began his ministry. Not in a great city, not in a place where word could necess would necessarily disseminate as quickly, but out there in the desert, the least likely place that you would think of. The last place someone might dare look for hope. And the way John prepares the Lord's way is revolutionary. There were, and still are, by the way, ritual baths in Judaism. Leviticus, for example, commands ritual washing from impurity or in preparation for priestly service. We can turn the slide back. Gentile converts to Judaism would, and still do, self-immerse in a mikveh, which is the name for that bath, under supervision as a transition to living a Jewish life. John draws on these traditions, but he also does something different. He doesn't supervise self-immersion, but he actually actively baptizes other people. This is a first. And this baptism is not a washing from impurity, but one of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. One of repentance. John's baptism proclaims a fresh start, a new beginning, a beginning just hinted at in these first eight verses of Mark. John prepares those who come to him for the good news that they are about to see in the flesh. John just hints about what is to happen. The one more powerful than I is coming, he says. 
I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In contrast to Rome, with its emperor cult, its propaganda, its peace, enforced through violence, comes Jesus, the Galilean Jew, our true Lord and King. Jesus won't have a media machine. He won't have the best people working for him. Time and time again, Mark's gospel will show us that in painful detail. There won't be a slick advertising campaign. Come see Jesus, giant neon letters. That's not going to be the, the case. He won't command an army, and he won't offer yet another utopian dream. Instead, Jesus baptizes us with the Holy Spirit, proclaiming the nearness of God's reign. He comes with the spirit of life, breathing vitality into a deadened and darkened world. He comes with the spirit of forgiveness, wiping away our sins, all the ways we've fallen short. He comes with the spirit of liberation, freeing us from everything, holding us back from our destiny as children of God. He comes with the spirit of love which makes communion between us and God, relationship between us and God and each other possible. Such good news can come from no one else. No one else but Jesus. No premier, no dictator, no president, no congressman, no party, no candidate, no emperor, no king, no preacher, no televangelist, no diet, diet guru, no musical sensation. No athlete, no sports team, not even the Vikings, sorry to say, <laughs> or the Packers for John out there. No self-help author, nobody else but Jesus Christ, God's anointed one, can be legitimate, lasting good news for us. And we receive this good news in our own baptism. The Spirit's baptism is ours in our own baptism. Doesn't matter where that baptism takes place, whether in a river or at a lake. I think a lake right now would be just dandy, don't you? Or at a font like this one. It doesn't matter where it happens. What matters is that the Lord is there. When the pastor says, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, she or he is speaking with the voice of the risen Christ. The risen Christ is speaking through the pastor's mouth at that moment. Christ, who went to death on a cross for us, now makes us his siblings. That identity is God's children, as Jesus' brother or sister can't be taken away by anyone or anything. It can't be erased by death. That identity in Christ is our lasting good news is our hope and expectation that never fails. Not long ago, I was showing Abby how to use the water at the font, the entrance to the church, and I told her, so dip your fingers in the water and make a cross on your forehead. This reminds you of your baptism. And she said, Daddy, but I'm already baptized. And yes, you are. 
you are baptized. When we do this, something simple like that, this is not a magic gesture. This is simply reminding us that we are called, claimed, and sealed by Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit. That we're all God's children. God help us always to remember that and to cling to that good news. Thanks be to God. Amen.